COVID-19 isn't your typical sickness. Some people long after they test positive are still dealing with the symptoms. On this episode, hear how you can get help. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Freed, a Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. Achiness, difficulty breathing, coughing, loss of taste and smell. These are some of the typical symptoms you can expect with COVID-19. But for some, symptoms linger or they become dangerous, requiring hospitalization. For more on that, we have with us Dr. Brandon Comfort with the University of Kansas Health System. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, over the last 11 months uh, here on the podcast episode, we've been, or podcast, we've been talking a lot about COVID-19, obviously, because this is kind of the, the center of all attention lately. Um, we've talked to some survivors about the illnesses that they've had and what um, they've experienced and some very serious issues. So we haven't talked uh, recently about uh, COVID-19 personal stories. And so I kind of wanted to share mine and some of the uh, pesky symptoms that I have that are still lingering. So we'll get to that in just a second, but I wanna hear a little bit more about the work that you're doing, if you can share that with us. Oh, absolutely, Teresa. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share this. And so um, at the University of Kansas Health System, we have um, recently launched our long COVID uh, clinic. This is a multidisciplinary effort uh, between uh, many of our subspecialty clinics, as well as our primary care clinics uh, to, to tackle some of these very issues that, that you're referring to, some of these kind of long-term symptoms or long-term sequela that uh, many of our patients with COVID-19 are suffering from. So um, that's our that's the effort that we're trying to do, and we're going to tap into some of that expertise that we have here um, at KU. And so um, we're fortunate to, to have some just amazing uh, specialty providers here. And so we're going to tap into that expertise to try to get our patients the best care that we can. That's great. All right. Well, I will talk a little bit about my experience with COVID. So um, this is to get a little free medical advice, but also to help our listeners who might be experiencing the same thing. Uh, I've heard that quite a few people are experiencing this issue. And so I, I thought it might be helpful to them. So uh, my family came down with COVID in September. So it's been quite a while now. And it was first my husband who got it. And uh, his first symptom was he had some, some, leg cramps, weird leg cramps, and then uh, extreme fatigue. So he just went upstairs, watched a couple episodes of a television show and came back down and was completely fine. And then within a couple of days, my son just, he's eight years old. He got really watery eyes and, um, you know, we're in the middle of fall, you know, sort of seasonal allergies. So I didn't think much of it. And so he played soccer and um, went about his day, nothing really severe. And then within another day, I started feeling really achy and that night my son had a low grade fever. And so I thought, this is enough. We'll, we'll go and get tested. And so we both got tested and uh, we found out a couple of days later that I was positive and my son was positive. So then my husband got tested. He was also positive. We never got our three-year-old tested, but he never developed symptoms and we're pretty confident he was exposed and probably had it. So, um, my, my, older of the two young sons uh, recovered very quickly. The, the day after he had his fever, he was fine. But for me, it really lingered. And so I felt achy for probably a full two weeks. And 
never really had those upper respiratory issues or problems of breathing or anything like that. Within a few days of getting sick, I noticed that I couldn't smell, even though I wasn't congested, which was very strange. I can remember cleaning the uh, bathtub with bleach and not being able to smell bleach at all, which I thought was really strange. I could feel like the, the tingling in my, my nose, but I couldn't, I couldn't smell it. And so that just continued and I couldn't really taste food anymore, which was strange. I tested it a lot. I, I ate super spicy foods. I could feel kind of a burning, but I couldn't taste the taste. I could still distinguish between salty and sweet and things like that, but um, just really couldn't taste the food. And so we're now five, six months out from, from that. And I still do not have my full sense of taste and smell back. And what I can smell doesn't smell right. Like it's a lot of sour smells and a lot of like uh, acetone or ammonia type smells and um, just very weird. And so uh, it hasn't really recovered and I don't have the full sense of taste back either. I can't really taste the food. I still, you know, I can tell what, what something is for sure. If I eat pizza, I know it's pizza and I can, there are elements of that I can taste, but I can't, I can't fully taste it. So that's kind of the issue. And, um, you know, we've heard other people experience this sort of thing. So I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, if that's something that you see a lot of, and, you know, this is, seems like a long time to be dealing with this symptom is, is that typical too? Yeah, well, thank you, Teresa, for sharing that. I know that uh, probably hard to do in a public forum like this to share your own medical story. So I appreciate you doing that. And, um, and unfortunately, your story, you're not alone. Um, many patients are experiencing long-term symptoms of varying degrees, some more serious than others or, or more threatening than others. Um, one of the challenges that we're facing is that we don't have a clear sense of, of percentages or how common a lot of this is. There's been um, a few studies published, not a lot yet. There'll be a lot more coming out, I think, here in the next few months, uh, but there's not a lot. And what we do have, there's kind of wide variability in the numbers that are being reported. Um, what we do know in hospitalized patients, so this is not patients like you, but in patients who are hospitalized, um, there have been a couple of studies, one out of Wuhan, China, one out of Michigan uh, that showed that patients um, with your specific issue of lack of taste or smell, about 10% of those patients are experiencing that. Uh, the Michigan study was 60 days follow-up. The Wuhan study was six months follow-up. And so that's a fairly significant. Now we do know that patients who had the quote unquote mild disease, patients that didn't need hospital care uh, during the acute phase, many of them are also experiencing the same uh, same symptom. It seems to be a smaller percent, but we don't have a, a, a great handle on that. Um, the good news is uh, that most patients do get better over time, uh, but there are a few that are tending to last for not just weeks on end, but months on end. Um, now we are still relatively early in this pandemic. Maybe I, I should, maybe that's hard to say, but you know, with this has only been around a little over a year, and so we don't have any data longer than that, uh, but we um, certainly see people tend to get better over time uh, with that. Now, there's lots of other symptoms people do experience um, beyond just lack of taste or smell. Uh, fatigue is, uh, is the most common symptom that patients bring to me. It's the most common one reported, and, um, and it is a profound fatigue that people are experiencing. Um, not like, uh, you know, I'm a little bit sluggish today, but like, 
I, these patients can't get back to their full-time jobs. They can't work a full shift. They're having trouble taking care of young families, you know, like you have young kids, it sounds like. So some of these patients are really struggling with that for weeks to months on end, um, significant quality of life impacts, lots of respiratory issues, cough, shortness of breath, um, some cardiac complications, uh, GI, muscle aches, joint pains, rashes, fevers. I mean, really, you name it. It seems like uh, it's been reported uh, uh, of these symptoms that can kind of linger for, for weeks to months on end. So, so much, so much to ask now, <laughs> you know, about, about the, that, you know, I, I completely forgot about the fatigue that I experienced too. It was, it lasted probably a month where I could sit down on a chair in the living room, watching television and normally have a sufficient amount of energy, but just almost fall asleep, feeling overwhelmed with the, the fa fatigue for sure. Luckily that went away and the brain fog lasted quite a, a long time too, where I just couldn't have a, a consistent, you know, train of thought. I was very easily distracted. And I know that other people experience that too. You know, I feel fortunate, of course, that I didn't have the, the issues with my lungs. And we've talked to somebody on the episodes here before who was having those issues where, you know, maybe she needed an inhaler and never did before. And so why is this happening? What, what is it about this illness that causes these lasting impacts? Yeah, so Teresa, the short answer is we don't know. Um, just like everything about COVID-19 has been humbling to every one of us, I think uh, it, this is this is really no different. And so um, there's a, a few theories that are that are that seem to be the most widely accepted that's being actively studied. And so um, there's thoughts that there's um, uh, some sort of kind of dysregulation or dysfunctioning of the local kind of immune environment in, in some of these different organs. So if we kind of focus on the lungs, for example, maybe there's some kind of localized inflammation. So just as our immune system has to be ramped up to fight the infection, it has to be kind of tamped back down and the infection has cleared. And so sometimes it, there may be some issues with that kind of regulation of that immune response. And so that can lead to some of these symptoms of shortness of breath, maybe some reactive airway type symptoms. So almost like asthma and those sorts of symptoms that you had alluded to, people needing inhalers and things like that. So we're using some of those same medicines that we use in our patients who suffer from asthma or COPD or something and, and, and with their kind of pulmonary complications. Um, so that's kind of one theory, dysregulation of the immune system. Um, there's also some thoughts that maybe there's some kind of direct um, kind of like viral reservoirs or kind of direct viral involvement of some of these organ tissues uh, that kind of maintain. So we know this with other infections, um, you know, like people who end up developing shingles, for example, that virus kind of sits kind of latent in the body for uh, years on end, sometimes decades before kind of resurfacing. And so there may be a component a component of that. But the, the long and short of it, Teresa, we don't know. Um, and hopefully over the next uh, few months to years, probably to really flush out that biological mechanism. Um, what we do know, I guess, from the original SARS, so if we kind of go back in time, that there were similar um, uh, uh, similar symptoms experienced by many patients during that. So we expect a, um, a similar sort of thing with, uh, with the COVID-19 infection as well. So we, of course, don't want to leave people feeling hopeless if they're still dealing with lingering issues. So how do they get help? And what are the, the various kinds of ways that you're, you're assisting people with their symptoms? I mean, obviously, you're not curing them of, of this because there's not really a way to do that. But can you talk about how you can help them? Yeah, exactly. So 
you know, the good news is, as I mentioned earlier, most everybody gets better over time. And it is usually really slow. Uh, for the people who have long ongoing, long-term or ongoing symptoms, it tends to be a pretty slow recovery. But over time, they end up having more good days than bad. And, and, and it usually kind of gets better, better on its own. Now, there's some things that we can kind of help people with. Um, so probably one of the hardest, I'll just tackle that one right out of the gate, which is the fatigue. Um, so number one, number one issue that people are struggling with long-term is fatigue. And it's also the hardest one. Um, and so a lot of this is just kind of helping our patients kind of through this, we can kind of guide them through maybe, uh, you know, some sort of graded exercise program, kind of get back to their regular activities and those sorts of things. Um, in severe cases, we'll connect them with our rehab specialists. So we're working with physical medicine and rehab, um, and some of our colleagues down there, and they can kind of, uh, help them with some of those, um, fatigue issues as well. Um, for our cough and shortness of breath, as we mentioned earlier, we can use inhalers with variable success. Some patients are really responding well to that. There's some breathing techniques that we can work with our patients on that kind of helps them with that subjective uh, feeling of shortness of breath, which tends to be pretty darn common. Um, for the uh, brain fog and things, we've been putting our patients through a pretty rigorous neurocognitive evaluation. To, um, uh, most patients tend to score pretty well on that, which is which is a good thing. So we're not seeing significant impairments, but it, but they're still uh, having to suffer from some of these symptoms. And so we'll kind of work with them and with our neurology colleagues to get them back on their feet. There's smell therapy. I don't know all the details on that, but uh, one of our ENT docs here is working with some of our patients on smell therapy to help with that. With that. And then there's some more serious things. So I've had a, um, a few patients that have some cardiac complications um, that you know, their heart rate will just really spike up into the you know, high heart rates for no reason, not like their exercise, they're just sitting there and it'll spike up. Um, we've seen a couple arrhythmias. So those are, those can be a little bit more threatening. We'll send those patients over to our um, cardiology colleagues. We've had a couple of patients go through ablations um, and, and that really helped them um, with that. Um, and so there's a, there's a number of different things. It really kind of depends on their subset of symptoms, but um, you know, by and large, we can help people uh, through this. We don't have a cure yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna keep working with our patients and, and other academic centers around the country, and hopefully we can find more targeted interventions for this over time. And of course, you know the vaccine isn't going to cure those who've already had COVID and are dealing with these lingering symptoms. But how important is it that people get vaccinated uh, from COVID so they can avoid these things? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to not become a long hauler, so to speak, is to not get COVID in the first place. And the vaccine is going to be. One of the uh, one of the key kind of pillars of kind of infection prevention for us. So, uh, absolutely, that is absolutely critical uh, for our patients to get uh, vaccinated, um, and then continuing to follow um, our infectious control measures. So, wearing a mask is uh, has been shown to be very effective. Um, you know, here at KU, I've worked with lots of patients with COVID nineteen, and throughout that whole time period, wearing a mask and safety glasses and those sorts of things um, was able to avoid acquiring it myself and those sorts of things. We know those things work, social distancing, washing hands. Um, we wanna keep doing that even if you are vaccinated. So we wanna make sure that we're utilizing all the tools that we have uh, to stay in front of this. All right, so hopefully there won't be a, a long-term need for the long haulers clinic here. But in the meantime, if, if people are experiencing lingering issues, uh, how can they get help directly from you all? That's a great question. So, you know, with our long COVID clinic, um, right now it's a relatively new clinic. Um, we just uh, got it off the ground probably two or three weeks ago. 
Um, it's a multidisciplinary clinic, which adds some logistical challenges. And so we've spent the first few weeks really trying to work on our workflows, make sure that it's a smooth process for our patients. And so we've been focusing um, initially just on patients who have an established relationship um, with our institution at KU. Um, our hope is that uh, over time, we're able to open that up to, to everybody. And so um, we will, they, they will be able to contact, uh, we'll have a contact number um, that either patients can reach out to or their primary care providers. Uh, but within the meantime, we're focusing just on our KU patients um, for right now. All right. Well, that's a lot of great information and certainly gives me hope that there's such a thing as uh, smell therapy. Um, I, I had been Googling, of course, uh, what, what's out there. I've seen things like uh, burning oranges and <laughs> I, I don't know if any of that works. I haven't tried anything, but I will certainly look into uh, getting some help, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Well, there. I think I think we'll have some more uh, interventions and answers over time. There, these types of clinics are popping up all over the country, all over the world, really. In the United Kingdom, they have a, a fairly robust post-COVID clinic. And so there's going to be a lot of great research coming out of this. And so um, we'll be certainly paying close attention so that we can implement some of those therapies with our patients here. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. And thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JokoGov. For more on this podcast, visit jokogov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.